message tonight is the greatest of all. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would direct our hearts because these are not just words. They're scriptural words, honest words, true words, guiding words. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will use this as an application in many hearts, not only tonight, but many times over when through the great provision of maintaining records spoke for a few minutes to the 23 people who had gathered here for prayer. I'd asked the previous week about allowing the time to do that, and, and so I was graciously given that time to speak to the people. And I've, I, I've been feeling for some time that this is a, um, call it a preemptive strike, if you will, that this is a message that we need to hear that we need to receive, that we need to assimilate for times that we will need this understanding, for times that we will need this illumination. And I'm going to believe that God will give me the anointing to bring this message tonight in a way that it will have that effect and that lasting, permanent effect as well. It's a great thing to be a Pentecostal believer. It's a, it's a great thing to be a believer in Jesus Christ. But be a Pentecostal believer as a dimension to that, that we have accepted and received with, uh, with great appreciation and with great humility, and it should always be thus, to have an experience in the Holy Spirit and have his presence and power moving in reality in our lives and the fullness of that baptism is a wonderful thing. But there are some people, some of us, maybe me at sometimes, who have misinterpreted, at least to some degree, what God has intended for that. I know at various times over the years that I've been here, I've taught about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and about the gifts of the Spirit. And I've always found some people who had a, 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 a different approach to some of the things that I've said. But usually, over a period of time and, a, and, a, and, a, and effort and endeavor, uh, uh, I think people have seen the way that I teach this is to be the scriptural way. If you'll read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you'll find a great discussion there about the body of Christ. It's, it's really a, quite a humorous thing that the Apostle Paul presents about the body of Christ. And he talks about the eye and the arm and the toe and the various parts of the body and how they are in relationship with each other and how all of them are necessary. And 
And then he goes on to apply that to the gifts of the Holy Spirit that also are for the cohesion and for the for the blessing, for the edification of the body of the church, the body of believers. And many people have taken that and I believe have misinterpreted and misconstrued what that was intended to be. And I think that there are many things about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we practice, and maybe practice is the right word, we're trying to get it right, and in some cases maybe we haven't got it quite right. Some of the things that we do in the practice of the, of the blessings and the ministry and the baptism in, through, in and through the baptism of the Holy Spirit are perhaps not exactly the way that the Lord intended them, and I, I seem to see that in the way Paul teaches it. This is especially true in, in 1 Corinthians 13. There are other places that gifts are mentioned, that gifts as people are mentioned throughout the Scripture, but I'm concentrating on this because 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 13 flow together. Now, in 12, you see the power of the Spirit explained, I believe clarified, presented in a powerful way. And Paul says that we're not going to restrict the work of the Holy Spirit, but we are going to have order, and we're going to have clarity, and we're going to move forward jointly in unity together. And to do it otherwise is to miss God's intention. So there are a lot of us, and I have been in this group, who put more of an emphasis on the work and the power of the Holy Spirit than we do on the qualities and the spiritual fruits that Jesus taught us ought to come to us through his grace and his love and his mercy. It doesn't have to be a contradiction, and it isn't a contradiction in the Scripture. If we make it a contradiction, we make it so in our lives. And we make the contradiction. It is not a contradiction of God's plan and God's purpose. It's only when we deviate from God's divine plan and his specific purpose for the gifts of the Spirit and the work of the and the power of the Holy Spirit and in the grace graces and the fruits of the Spirit that are supposed to develop in our lives as children of God. To clarify that a little bit more, I've seen people express the gifts of the Spirit and, and do it in the flesh, and if they were not in the flesh when they did it, as soon as they got through with it, they got in the flesh. Let me give you just one example of this. I could give you several. I could give you an example of that right in our church. But I'll go back years into the past because there are many, many examples I could, I could give you. Years in the past, I was a, I was a pastor of a church, and uh, in a Sunday morning service, we had someone up that happened to be in our in our choir. And we had a nice choir, a choir leader, and someone spoke out in tongues. We were having a move of the Spirit. It was a time of rejoicing in the Spirit. And when there's rejoicing in the Spirit, it's all right to... If you're alone, you're not proclaiming something to the congregation to be uh, worshiping the Lord and worshiping in tongues or just worshiping the Lord in, in, in the Spirit. But it's all right. But everything doesn't have to have a correlation like speaking in tongues and interpretation. There's a place for that, a specific place for that in the Scriptures that ought to be followed. 
But it isn't always true that every time somebody speaks in tongues, it needs to be interpreted. And when it's out in the public and open for the congregation, yes, it is. So in this particular case, I heard this going on, but I saw people all around the altar, the move of God was moving, and the blessing of the Lord was flowing. And, and uh, I heard someone speaking out in tongues, and I took it as a part of worship and praise and went on with the service. And, and it happened to be my choir leader. So at the end of the service, my choir leader walked out. I was, I like I've kind of almost always done, I was at the front door to shake hands with people as they leave, to greet people, to speed new people. And, and I was greeting people, and I went out, and she walked by, and she said, anybody saw us by Jesus and saw me? About like that. I said, what? And she said, I said, anybody that insults by Jesus insults me. I said, hmm. First of all, I didn't know I'd insulted her, Jesus. And second of all, I didn't know he was her Jesus. I thought he was mine too, you know. So I debated it to my, within myself. I thought, well, I just I did hear something. Must have been her. So I had I asked a couple of people after the service to come up, and and, uh, and I wanted to consult with them. I said, I first I said I called. I think I had three people who came, and uh, I said, did you hear anything in tongues this morning that should have been interpreted? No, no, no. I didn't. No. I said, well, I didn't either. But named her, went out this morning, and I think she thought that I should have stopped to let somebody have give interpretation of what she said. They said, well, I didn't hear it that way, Pastor. I said, well, neither did I. So we're all in agreement, and she's in disagreement with us. Okay. So we'll see what happens. Uh, now I would probably reach out to somebody and say, come and let's talk it over and have an explanation. I didn't bother with that back in those days. I, I was a lot younger and Figure people could work out things for themselves. I don't know what I thought, but anyway, I didn't. I didn't go to her, and so it was months before she came back. And and uh, my point to telling you all of this is say this this one thing to you. Any time, if you ever see a manifestation of the Spirit, whether it's speaking in tongues or, or a prophecy being given, or whatever it may be. You ever see that, and it is not received the way the person giving it thinks it ought to be, and then that person follows that by acting in a carnal and fleshly way, you know it wasn't worth anything to start with. Okay? That's good, isn't it? <laughs> it wasn't worth having to start with. I'm not putting down people who do who've done that, I'm, but I am putting down what they do and how they react afterwards like it was some great manifestation of God in the holy throne that we all missed and nobody knew it but them and so therefore we ought to be judged and put down because we didn't say here's God's voice for today and we didn't recognize it. Because people who are in the spirit won't follow being in the spirit by being in the flesh. And that's exactly what that is. We've had an, I, 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 one example is probably enough of that, isn't it? I could tell you so many of them, which, which, which has been a good thing for me because it has really driven me to the Scriptures in this area in a way over, over a, period of, a long period of time. It's driven me to the Scriptures in a way that I, I, a deeper way than I maybe ever have or ever would have if I hadn't seen the misappropriation of the work of God in the body of Christ. 
So, I'm going to show you why it is so unscriptural to act that way when it seems like everybody just didn't bow down and all of a sudden, said, oh yes, oh yes, God's angel for today. You know, I've been through everything from having somebody stand up here. Uh-oh, I didn't mean to say stand up here, but it was up here. <laughs> and, and to sing and get to a certain place and think everybody else ought to have their microphones turned down and hers turned up louder because now the angels were singing through her. Now, I'm going to tell you honestly, and I'm not naming anybody, and I'm not putting anybody down, but I've never heard anybody on this platform in all the years I've been listening and watching and going through all this, I've never heard anybody up here who had the angels singing through them. Good singers, anointed singers, blessed singers, praise God for them, but I've never heard the angels singing through any of them. I mean, literal angels singing through any of them. But she believed that that was... And so she didn't stay around. They couldn't stay, you know, if you don't recognize people that have the angels singing through them and that they have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. They don't stay around long if you don't recognize that. And I never do. So, because it's never true. It'd be a mistake, a misappropriation for me to acknowledge and recognize that. The, the Holy Spirit will never work consciously among us to draw attention to any single individual. You read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and show me that you don't understand what I just said being based in, in that scripture, and I'll try to sit down and explain it to you like I would a little child. You get it and read it for yourself, and you'll find out that this is, this, the work of the Spirit is always to edify the body. Is for the benefit and the blessing of the body. And anything that is for one single individual is for them alone, and they ought to find a little place at the end of the pew and put their face up against the wall and do whatever they're going to do there and leave the rest of us alone. Getting a little bit <laughs> over-exuberant now. <laughs> so, so... But, but it, 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 this is something in Pentecostal circles that we really need to grasp. I don't want to dampen anybody allowing the Holy Spirit to move. Listen, if anybody thinks that I'm wanting to restrict the move of the Holy Spirit, that I want to in any way hold back on what the Holy Spirit wants to do and I'm not ready for the total flow of the Holy Spirit, I'll have a personal conversation with you gladly and show you my credentials and let you know. I know what that's all about. I've been in it almost all of my life. I've practiced it and participated in it. Many times I've been in the flesh when I did it years ago, not lately. But I learned through that. And people patiently helped me. And the Bible revealed more to me than anybody else ever did when I really saw so much thing, so many things out of order that I needed to find out what the Scripture position on it was, and I did, and I believe I have it. And I believe I'm sharing it with you tonight. So, so the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, nobody monopolizes that. Nobody is in charge of that. But we individually, are, if we are going to be allow ourselves and want ourselves to be used as instruments of the Holy Spirit, have to know the Scriptures, have to know our own quality of spiritual understanding and receive it and participate in it and express it Declare it in the proper manner in the Spirit. 
Now you say, that, that holds people back. Well, it won't hold people back if you're confident in where you are in the Lord and how the Lord's doing and working for you and you're allowing the Lord to do it. We have all kinds of manifestations of the Holy Spirit around this altar almost every Sunday. People baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't often know it because it's not something that everybody here has received. But there are people here receiving the Lord, being touched of God, that prayer is asked. The Holy Spirit being manifested around this altar all, regularly. Regularly. Praise God for it. We don't, we don't hold anything back on that. But we're not going to build something up either and, uh, and, and, and turn it into a display or turn it into a uh, whatever, whatever name you want to put on it, a carnival, and make it something that is dishonoring to God and something that's honoring to Him. I know you don't hear me preach like this very often. I don't preach like this very often. But every now and then, this is needed. And I'm getting to the place that's really needed now. Getting to the place that's really needed. This is what this message I'm getting out of what this message is all about. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 he talks about this great, great manifestation, the gifts of the Spirit, the, 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 the word of knowledge, the, 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 the word of faith, the word of knowledge, the, the, uh, the gifts of power, discernment, discerning of spirits and the healings and faith and all those great, powerful gifts that the Holy Spirit moves through his body to bring about and for them to produce the fruit that they are intended to. And then he comes to the very end of the chapter. And then I'm, and so now I'm going to read to you what he says at the end of the chapter. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it's the very last verse of chapter 12. And he says, after all this about spiritual gifts and spiritual power, he says at the very end, do we have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. Do we all have the ability? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the more helpful gifts. Uh, the more helpful, the gifts through you that will be more helpful to everybody else. And then he says, but let me show you a way of life that is best of all. That's the end of chapter 12. Now, when the scriptures were written, there were no chapters. There were no verses. They were added in so that we could have references to be able to find certain things to get to places that we wanted to get to. And so this chapter 12 and chapter 13 are not, not separated at all. It's the continuation. Paul is teaching what he says in chapter continues right on into chapter 13. And you're well familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You may never have directly connected it with chapter 12. But it certainly is connected with chapter 12. That's why I read the last verse of chapter 12. Because that verse says, he says, let me show you a more excellent way. A way that is more excellent than all that I've been talking about in chapter 12. And this is what it is. This is that more excellent way. 1 Corinthians 13. Continuing the teaching. He says, if I could speak all the languages of earth. You know, I'm going to change this. I'm going to read it out of a different translation. I like, the, I like one better. I've changed my mind right there. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, he talked about that in chapter 12, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, he talked about that in chapter 12. 
If I have all faith so as to remove mountains, he talked about that in chapter 12, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver my body up to be burned, if I give myself up as a martyr, die for Jesus' sake, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love. And this is, this is really part about it. This is what he says. When he defines it, he gives a really clear definition of what he's talking about. When he says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. There's nothing, there's nothing selfish about love. Love isn't self-promoting. Love isn't running all around the church clapping your hands and letting everybody look at you and see what you're doing. Excuse me, I shouldn't use that as an illustration. I might really think of somebody, but anyway. That's not, what, that's not what love does. It, 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 in fact, it's not arrogant or rude. Like the lady walking out of the door and telling me that nobody insults my Jesus. It does, listen to this. It does not insist on its own way. So when the argument starts in the church... It's easy to settle with love because love doesn't insist on its own way. You may be right. You probably are. I've been wrong so many times, I might be wrong again. You probably are right. Love doesn't insist on its own way. Love doesn't insist on being right. In fact, it gives up the right to be right. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In in one translation in this segment of verses right here, 4 through 7, it says love does not easily take offense. Love is not easily offended. I don't know just which one of those, and I don't remember right now, just which one of those would be. But look in a couple of other translations. New Living Translation, I think is where it is. It says, love doesn't easily take offense. Boy, wouldn't that be a great thing to have at all times. Love is not easily offended. I've offended people standing up here preaching to them. Not long ago, I offended some people the morning that I got to talking about it. And I always try to preface this a little bit ahead of time. This is kind of clothesline preaching today, folks. Now, I don't always preach about this. I don't very often, very hardly ever do I talk about people smoking and drinking and carousing. And I just figure that the Lord will work that out. I don't preach that very often. But every now and then there are a few things that need to be said. And every time I do, I offend somebody. And I did the last time I did it. I will say I, I, I said a couple of words that I shouldn't have said they were true. It was true, but I should. I, it's not the place to say. I said something about people being stupid and and dumb. I think, I think it was. I was talking. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Doesn't but I but I made it all right with everybody, and I had one brother. This is the reason I was telling you. I had one brother come up, and I know he smokes. I don't. I don't. I'm not, I never said that's going to send you to hell. 
I just said, I, you know, I think he'd make a better journey without it. But I never said, I never said that. But he came up to me. He's a brother that I love, and he loves me. And he came up, and he said, now, Pastor, I heard what you said today, and I don't doubt that you were right. But he said, I, I'm not ready to give it up yet. And he said, in fact, I'm going to go out there, and when people kind of clear out here, I'll go out there and light one up because it'll make me feel so much better. I said, well, that's your choice. And, but, but, he, he, but he has never in any way that time before or after that time, never acted in any way like he took offense at what I said. But there were some folks who took real offense at what I said. And man, they were stomping and romping and rearing, and some of them may not have come back yet, but some of them did, and then some of them did. So, you can't help things like that, you know. If people, if people don't have the maturity to, to, to grab, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying up here trying to offend anybody, ever. But I do want it to be understood that God expects us at some point in time to decide to be Christians. Decide to act like Christians and live like Christians. I mean, after a while, folks, after a while, you know, you've been walking this way so long, such a time. After a while, it's time to realize what the Bible says. And not only that, but do what it says. It comes to that point in time. So... I'm not doing a very good job of this tonight. Somehow I feel like I don't know why I feel like this. <laughs> this is so elementary, so so ele- so fundamental, so for so first step learning, so first step that we we shouldn't have to hear it once we know it's in the Bible. Know how to go find it for ourselves, but we do. And every now and then, I find myself having to do a little bit of correction, maybe more than a little bit sometimes, with some of these things this scripture says right here. Well, I can get so short in patience that it makes me irritable. Not very often, and not all the time, but more than I want to. So, but that, but all of that should be corrected by what we see love being, and not only what we see it being, but also when we see that the fruit of the Spirit that uh, that, uh, that Paul wrote about uh, and, and said the fruit of the Spirit is love, uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. I really think he's saying the fruit of the Spirit is love, colon, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance, or long-suffering. And against such there is no law, because that's not the law, that's the grace, and that's the Spirit. That's what love produces in our lives when love has control and when we live in the revelation of love that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives through Jesus Christ. It's, it, 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 it's, the, it's a great thing for us to recognize and to, and to have it such a part of our life that when we start to violate it, we realize it and correct it. Make a corrective course right there. Love never ends. This is what the scripture goes on to say. Love never ends. Prophecies, wow, I want to make, you know, this guy's coming. He's going to be only going to be 150, mile, 150 miles away. And I heard he had a good prophecy for somebody. He spoke over their life and he told them the truth. I want to run over there and hear what he's got to say for me. That passes. It'll be gone. 
If the Lord used me in prophecies, I've predicted the future. I've done it right here in this church. But I don't call myself the prophet. I'm not going to say, come in here and I've got a word to speak over you unless the Holy Spirit moves in a mighty way. I'll tell you the instance where, the main instance in this church where that occurred. I got up to preach one morning, and, and I started with the message. I thought I started with the message I had, and all of a sudden I wasn't. I wasn't saying anything about the message. I started saying what God's going to do for people in this church. You can go find it online right now. I can't tell you the name of it, but I, I think it's. I think the name of that message was, well, the, the name I had for it had to be changed. I think they changed the name of that to Prophetic Words. I talked about how God was going to start blessing people. People were going to be healed. How people were going to receive things that they'd been wanting to receive, cars that they'd been wanting to get. And houses were going to, they were stumbling over, were going to come through and be smoothed out. They'd get it. And I even made one statement that I had to be reminded about later. I didn't remember saying it. I said, God's going to bless you with something unexpected that you don't even know is out there. It'll be a surprise. And even something like a like a, an unexpected check in the mail or a piece of art that you will receive. And, no, no, no. And so later on, Amy Gruen was out in a yard sale or somewhere to sale. And saw a beautiful painting that she loved, and it was, uh, I think she said she paid $49 for it, and, and bought it and, and took it home with her. And later on, she found out it was a Thomas Kincaid painting, but it was a certain one, and it was an original, and she found out it was worth seven or $8,000. She'll tell you that story today. And that was prophetic, and I didn't know any of that, but I don't do that every Sunday morning. That's when the move of the Spirit comes to produce this. Because we know prophecy is not the prime pinnacle of it all. Neither is tongues. Neither is interpretation. Neither is divination or discernment. Neither is that. Because those things will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Paul said. But here's the glorious thing about it. True answer. The true answer. The last part says, So now abide faith, hope, and love. These three. Those are three great, wonderful, powerful qualities in our lives. Faith. It, it, it's almost a it's almost it's hard to make a a, a, a clarification, explanation of What's greater than faith? I mean, Jesus said, if you have faith, I can be great of a mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, be moved, and it will be moved. And of course he's speaking a figurative language, a parable, parabolic language. But mighty things, powerful things, unbelievable things can be done by faith. And hope. You know, you know, we, we, we minimize hope so much by the way we've used it, you know. I hope I'll get to go to the grocery store today before it rains. I hope I, I hope uh, I hope you're all right. Uh, you're feeling better. When hope in the Scripture is really that settled, confident assurance by faith, by trusting His Word, by believing what Jesus said, that we have an established home in heaven that's better than having a paid-up mortgage at a home in this world. 
because that somehow can possibly be taken away from you. But the home we have in heaven can never be taken away from us. Not by hell, not by the devil, not by his emissaries. That's secured. That's lever- That's everlasting. And nothing's going to damage that. That's a building that has foundations whose builder and maker is God. Abraham sought for it. We seek for it. Our hope guarantees us that we're going to have that place. That's hope. And so how can you, and you know, you almost say, well, how can you do anything better than faith? How can you have anything better than hope when you realize what it all is? And yet Paul said, again, he's talking about the comparison to these great Pentecostal powerful gifts of chapter 12. He says, now abides faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest, if you want to make a comparison, Put them on a level of one, two, three. If you want to say one surpasses them all, he does. No hesitation. Now abides faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And so love, please understand this and accept this the way I'm going to say this. Love is better than a healing miracle. Love is better than, I I have heard some great expressions of Pentecostal uh, manifestation in services I've been in. I've heard people speak in tongues and I knew it was the power of God and interpretation coming. You realize it was anointed, it was a message from God for you for that hour. I've heard that many times in my life. I've said in services, and and I'm going to just tell you one quick thing. seems like a little digression, but I've got two or three minutes and I'm going to tell you this. I'm establishing that I totally accept the power of the Holy Spirit in Pentecostal manifestation. I want you to know that. I'm not minimizing it in any way by anything I've said tonight or what I'm going to say now. But I was a, I was a student at East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina, and getting a, a, one of my degrees. And, and I attended the first Pentecostal Holiness Church. I was a member of that church at the time, that denomination. And... I went to this church, and when I was in Greenville over the weekend, I went to that church most of the time. And so did my roommate, who was my very, very good friend, my best friend for life, who went to heaven just a few years ago. And I miss him still. We shared many things in those days, and we shared this experience. After a certain service that had gone on, a, 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 a man who had been visiting church was walking out and he walked up to speak to the pastor. Now, we didn't hear this happen, but the pastor told it to the church. And the man walked up and he said, Pastor, he said, uh, he said, uh, you know, uh, uh, that man that was down at the front who spoke in that, uh, and I, I, my memory may be fuzzy, but I want to say he spoke in Greek. And the, and the person that was speaking to the pastor said, that man who spoke in Greek, that I'd like to meet him and get to uh, have a conversation with him. He said, do you know uh, who he is and how I can, how I can uh, uh, contact him? He said, the pastor said, well, I don't know anything who you're talking about. I don't know anybody speaks Greek. I don't speak Greek, so I didn't hear anybody doing that. He said, oh, yeah, there was a man down there. He said, I think he, said, I think he was sitting on the front row. I looked at him across the church, and he, he, was speaking a, he was speaking a dialect of Greek that's not very well known. He said he was speaking it perfectly like he was a native, and I just thought maybe he was. He said, you know, I've never introduced myself to you, but I'm a professor over here at East Carolina University in the language department, and Greek is one of my specialties. 
And he said, I heard this man speak here perfectly, and I just wanted to talk with him and get some of his background. He said, oh, I know who you're talking about now, but not because he speaks Greek. He said, that man can hardly speak English. He's only got like a third-grade education. And uh, he's a good plumber, but he's not much of a wordsmith, and he doesn't know any other languages. He barely knows English. And the man said, well, I don't know what it is, but I heard him speak, and he spoke this dialect of Greek, and he spoke it as perfectly as I've ever heard it spoken, and I've heard it spoken perfectly. He said, I'm amazed at that, that you're telling me that. It's hard to believe. Well, I don't know what happened with that professor after that. I don't know the follow-up of that story. But I do know that that happened. And and the, and the pastor stood up and told the church about it. Of course, we're all, we're all amazed and astonished. The man who did that, I think he, he, was, a, he was a plumber. And uh, apparently a very good plumber. I think he owned his own business. But he wasn't an educated man. He certainly didn't know languages. But the Holy Spirit knows everything. And see, I believe stuff. I hear something like that, I believe it. Because I know it's true. I know that God has done that. I've, I've seen so many manifestations of the Spirit of God in so mighty, miraculous ways. I could not doubt it. I, I said once, that one, a long time ago, I used to say, I got offered good things to not be Pentecostal when I was growing up. I was offered a full-fledged scholarship at a, at a really outstanding school. I would have never been in East Carolina if I'd taken this. But they wanted me. It was, it was an offer. It was a good offer. It was from people who were in kindness, offered it to me. I was known in the high, my high school. I was known as a Christian, and it was known I wanted to go into the ministry. And they offered me that because they wanted me to become a minister in the Friends Church, the Society of Friends, sometimes known as Quakers. And uh, when I was told that, I thought it was wonderful. I was getting this scholarship. Then I was told that they would want me to preach in their church and go to the ministry in their church. I said, I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. I'm... I'm you know, I'm Pentecostal. Uh, that would never be accepted there. And I just can't do that. So I struggled on my own to get through college. And it's a side story. I'm just telling you, you know, I, I, I don't I don't back away, back down to anybody <clears throat> on accepting everything about Pentecost, the full power of the manifestations, the declarations, the miracles, the glories of a Pentecostal relationship and experience with God. But I also know that there's a scriptural point that we cannot miss, and if we do, we'll do it at our own peril, and we will not receive what God has at his best for us. We'll be caught up in the flesh and carnality and out of the scripture unless we obey what God's word says. So what God's word says is what I, is what, what I just presented to you and, and, uh, and read to you. And, and he said that, now by faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So when Jesus said, how are men going to recognize that you are my disciples? He said, John 13, 35, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have, what? Love for one another. Love for one another. That was written in John Another place in John says this. this is the, John says this is the best and truest evidence of our salvation. 1 John 3, 14, this is what he wrote. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters in the whole world. Because we love. We know we pass from death unto life because we love. So Christ 
Paul said in Christ, there's neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. Neither one of those has any value. The only thing that counts, I'm reading from the scriptures again from the New International Version, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Even faith works through love. So friends, I said I have the answer to all the disagreements, to all the dissension, all the discord, all the little squabbles, all the little, you said, I said, he said, no, we said, no, 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 all of that. I got the answer for all of that. Walk in love. Walk in love. If you walk in, you, you know, you can't really truly walk in the Spirit if you're not walking in love. You can't walk in the power of God. You can, you can have whatever the power of God is. God allows you to have while you're still in the flesh. But if you stay in the flesh, you'll lose the benefit of it and lose the reward. To walk in, really walking in the power of God, you have to also walk in love. And that's the way we solve everything that needs a solution. Do you believe it? Okay. Well, then if I've convinced you of all of that, I'm going to stop. <laughs> I know one thing. I know I'm convinced of it. And, and you know, it's one thing to be convinced and another thing to be convicted. Sometimes I get convicted of it. I know I've got to do better. I just know I've got to do better. Not only in the things I say and the things I do and the way I act, but also in the things that I think. Because the things that I think will soon become the ways that I act. And sometimes that would not be a good thing. <laughs> that would not be a good thing. So I have to say, Lord, keep my thoughts. Help me keep my thoughts in submission to you. According to the way of love, I can't think anything about anybody that isn't according to love. Because if I do, soon I'll be acting towards somebody that's not the way of love. And that's not what God wants. So the way I know to have victory, we've got to pray, we've got to read His Word. But you know, when you pray and read your Bible and you seek God, you don't have to have a separate thing how to develop love in your life. When you're really seeking God and trying to draw close to God, He will develop you in that love that the Scripture teaches us about. He will. You'll come to it and you'll find, wait a minute now, if I want to, if I want to follow this Scripture... I've also got to be sure that I'm doing it with the right spirit and the right way and the right attitude and the right motive, and that comes from love. I said I'd stop. And therefore I will to make this, if I, never, if I ever need to add to it, another day. If you ever need to get refreshed on this, go listen to it on the Internet because I might not ever preach it again. And you know the good thing about this would be it would be wonderful not to ever need to preach it again. You know? It would be wonderful not to ever need to preach it again. Unless it's just with some new people who just come in and haven't heard it. And then we take them off into a little classroom and we teach them. And everybody else doesn't have it. Although, I know from reality and from truth and from fact, we all need to hear it again every now and then. I know I do. Let's stand, please.